Well, good morning, Grace. I want you to turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter, uh, Matthew chapter one. And this is the boring message number two. Uh, but I love that, that somebody said, yeah, that was a boring message. I thought, that was the best, man. That is great. My title worked. Well, you know, anytime we do a baptism, what I love is that many times it just inspires people like, that's what God's calling me to. And I will tell you, man, this morning, if you saw Greg and Cynthia take their next steps with Jesus and you wanna do the same, man, you make sure that you let us know. Literally, I will baptize you right here, right now, on the spot, whatever. But I don't know, we don't have enough towels, but I'm just telling you, whatever it takes. But man, I love being able to celebrate new life. And today, as we jump into Matthew chapter one, I just wanna write up, right off, the top, just tell you, I, I'm going to be speaking to two types of people. First of all, the person that watches Greg and Cynthia get baptized and, and says, man, I, I wish that could be me. But yet you're wrestling with this whole thing of following Jesus. You're counting the cost and, and you're just not sure yet. This message is going to be for, first of all, you but then I also want to be talking to believers. Maybe you've been following Jesus for a few years and you're in this season where I don't, the old timers used to say, God is troubling the waters. And there's just this feeling like he's calling you to something. And, and, and maybe he's even, you, you have clarity on what that is, but for whatever reason, you're wrestling with this, you're, you're kind of, you're just kind of pushing back. You're just not sure. Well, I have something to, to tell you, and we're going to be looking at the, the life of Joseph this morning. Now, Luke, too, tells the birth of Jesus through the eyes of Mary. We get to see it from Mary's perspective, and actually in Luke 1 as well. But here in, in Matthew chapter 1, we're going to be looking through the eyes of, of Joseph. And I want us to put ourselves in, in Joseph's shoes as we pick up our reading here in verse 18. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. And, and keep your Bibles open. I'm going to be stopping a little bit as we go through. But real quick, let me just pause and, and hit this. Let's talk betrothal for, for a little bit. Um, and by the way, I didn't even plan this. I didn't think through this. Um, though I kind of had a heads up that was going to happen. It hit me Thursday that the timing for my message is perfect because yesterday my oldest son, Trey, just got engaged. And yeah, no, that's, that's good. Actually, here, here's the deal. The way we're, I'm just telling people that uh, we're expecting a fourth child because it makes it really awkward and Lori has to answer a lot of questions and it's great. But, um, but no, we're really excited. But, but here's the thing. We got to, you know, FaceTime in and, and it happened in Washington, but we're, we're watching on FaceTime. And, and here's the deal. Trey did not in any way follow the biblical custom for getting engaged. And I'm very thankful for that because back in this day, the father of the groom had to pay a pretty big price to get his son married off. And so I'm very thankful the way this thing went down. And, and so, so what, would, what would happen was this was usually an arranged marriage. Uh, you know, they might take your suggestion under consideration, but at the end of the day, it was the parents that figured out, we're going to get our kids together and this is the way it's going to go down. And so the, the, the father of the groom, in fact, when I was in Kenya, they told me in northern Kenya, this is still the custom. They, they pay this large dowry. You'll give so many goats, so many camels or whatever. So like, like if you are 
a father of just girls, you are sitting pretty, man. Like this is, it's a good, it's a good deal. Matt, I'm looking at you right now. That is you, man. Like you're, you're doing good. And, and so, so here, here's the thing, man. This, this whole thing had been arranged. And, and so anytime, anytime you had a, a wedding, it was like a big affair. Now, what they would normally do is after the dowry was paid and, and it was, a, you know, this, this betrothal is, is official, they would have this year of waiting. This, again, the closest thing we have to it is this engagement, but it was a, a year of waiting. Now, it was, it was interesting. The reason they had this year of waiting was so the parents of the groom could see if what they had, right word is not purchased, but what they'd given up so many things for, for, for this girl to marry their, their uh, husband, they wanted to make sure she was pure. And so if in this gap, this waiting period, the girl would turn up pregnant, like Houston, we have a problem. I want my, I want my cows back. And so I want, I want you to just put yourself in Joseph's shoes. He, even if his parents arranged the wedding, he is still looking forward to this. Like this is a big deal. And, and, and Mary comes in, just think this through, man. Mary comes to him and says, I'm pregnant. Like your, your heart drops and she's like, but this is from God. And you're like, yeah, right. Do you give you a pet unicorn too? Like, like, like you're, you're not, you're, you're like, you're wrestling with this. And so what we see is the character of Joseph. We don't know a lot about, uh, about Joseph, Jesus' adopted dad. All we really, the, most of the details we know about Joseph is right here. But you know what I love? It, it reveals that he was a man of character. And what we, what we see here is he could have publicly shamed her. In fact, just because of Jewish custom, he could have, he could have had her stoned like with rocks, for those of you who might miss that. Yeah, but that, <laughs> I, dude, like, I don't know where I'm going this morning. Like, if you're watching online, I apologize. Here we go. But no, I know my audience. The, 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 uh, the Jews, the Jews didn't mess around. But, but so, so here's the deal. He was going to, he was going to break, he was going to break the engagement quietly to protect her as much as he could. And so what we see is Joseph is, is a man of, of high character. And so, so we keep reading here. It says that as he was thinking of these things, as he considered these things, verse 20, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. And then Matthew adds this little commentary. It's almost like he has a little aside here where he, where he writes down, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. And then he goes back, he's quoting Isaiah seven fourteen: Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name, Jesus. This week, we were, uh, our sermon prep team was, you know, going through some, some of these ideas. And, and, you know, the thought hit me. I mean, why, why did God have to do it this way? And, like, I don't have the perfect answer. Like, we, we <laughs> every year around Christmas time, you know, like, pastors trying to find a creative way to tell the same story that they told last year. We're going to tell it from the angel's perspective this year. You, but, it's still the greatest story ever told, but, but it's the story. And while we, we don't know exactly 
why God did this. I, I'm just here to tell you when we look at this, literally, God turned both of their lives upside down. For, well, how many of you still have a high school yearbook, like from when you were in high school? Anybody still have that? Okay, so here's the deal. The only time I think about looking through my high school yearbook is when we get like a new bookshelf or we pack things in boxes or whatever. But it's always fun when I find one of those annuals and I start flipping through there because I see faces that maybe I haven't even seen since I left high school or college. And, 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 and there's many times a story represented with, with faces. And so like, like my kids, every once in a while, especially when they were younger, if we would flip through and they'd be like, and you know, I'd say, oh man, this person right here, we, that guy, I, I'm not gonna tell you the whole story. You know, that's always a good story. It's like, I can't tell you the whole story, but man, we did some crazy things together. And, and so I want you to think this, you know, to get, when we talk about God turning their, their world upside down, it'd be if, if Mary and Joseph were, were in a high school yearbook, as people are going through there and like, oh, wait, uh, Mary, it, isn't she the girl that got, got pregnant? Remember she had, to, she had to drop out of school? Remember? I, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Like, both Joseph and Mary, their reputations were tarnished until the New Testament was written. Like, like literally, it was vindicated decades in the future. Because if you'll think about this, the very fact that Joseph went through with the engagement People, didn't, people wouldn't have known the whole story, and if they heard it, they wouldn't have believed it anyway. They would have thought that Joseph actually is the one that got her pregnant. And so, so we've, we've got this, this whole thing. It just doesn't make sense. It's, it's really, really messy. They, they would have, you know, back then, if, if there was a, a wedding, everybody knew there was a wedding coming up, and it would be a huge event. Like, I mean, everybody shows up. Food for everyone. Like, if you, if you read John 2, the, 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 uh, the marriage where Jesus turns the water into wine at Cain of Galilee. Like, it's a big deal off the table. Like, if, if, you, if you look at this whole story, you just ask yourself, man, why would God have to do this? Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something that um, may, maybe you wouldn't think a pastor would say, and here's what I'm going to say. it. I think a lot of times as pastors, we feel like we have to be the hype man for Jesus, what I mean is that we go into full-on sales mode and we try to sell people on, on receiving Christ and following Jesus Christ. Like, I'm going to do the opposite of that. Because while there are, there are numerous benefits, we sing about the benefits of following Christ. There, man, this whole season, you're going to hear it time and time again. Man, today, I don't want to deny this big point, this big truth. I want you to, I want you to get this. Jesus... Anytime he comes into a life, we'll turn that life upside down. That's going to be my whole point. Like, that, that's the big thing that, that, that we're going to hit. Anytime Jesus shows up, anytime he comes to your life, he's going to turn your life upside down. Okay, and I'm just going to say this. Like, if, if your life did not change whatsoever, you probably aren't really following Jesus. You're like, oh, that's a really judgmental thing to say. I'm just telling you what I know from Scripture. It, it changes us. And under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Matthew is recording this. He's writing to Jews. 
He wants to make sure that, he's, that they're understanding Jesus really is the Messiah, really is the Christ. That's why, man, not only, you know, what we see right here, he's quoting, he's tying what takes place to, to uh, something Isaiah prophesied, and he's gonna do this all through the book, but, but Matthew wants us to get something. And, and what we see in Joseph's life, I actually think, man, Joseph, his response to God's message when God came in, turned his life upside down, literally, it's honestly what it's gonna look like for anybody that wants to follow Jesus. First of all, that wants to begin to follow Jesus. Jesus, but I, was, I would also say this. Listen, God is just, he, he, he ends up even messing up our plans after we're following Jesus. Jesus doesn't follow us, we follow him. And to go all in, to, 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 to follow Jesus, there are three things I want to see that you got to do. First of all, it requires absolute commitment. Absolute commitment. There's no, there's no halvesies when it comes to following Jesus. When, uh, when Wallace and Mary Kamau, who are from uh, Kenya, they were here a few weeks ago. I heard a story from Wallace. I'd never, I, I knew that he'd taken an interesting journey to God had taken him a different route to get into ministry, but I didn't know the whole story. He was an executive of Price Waterhouse, accounting firm, very large accounting firm, then had switched to one of the largest insurance companies in Kenya and um, was on track. He was, gonna, he was on track to be uh, the CEO of this. He said, everything that I'd prepared for, gone to school for, planned for, he said was going to come true. Money? And he said, I kept, on, I kept on telling Mary, like, you know, man, this is, this is God because I'm going to have enough money to fund this ministry that God's calling you to, and, and this is going to be great. And he said, he said, but man, God began to trouble me, and, and he said, I kept putting it off, and I kept saying, no, no, it's, it's God's will that I do this so I can support this ministry. And he said, it finally got to a place, he said, it was an undeniable moment where I knew that God was asking me to step away and to go into a place I did not want to go. I was scared to go. And Mary, she's sitting there while he's telling the story. She keeps on interrupting with great details. And she's like, I knew it was going to happen. I knew it was going to happen. She said, I didn't tell him. I just prayed. I just prayed. I got to a place where he told me, he said, I, I remember when I got to the place I had, I had to make a decision to walk away from what I, what I had planned for, what was my dream. I, this, was on, th this was my plan. He said, but I knew to follow Jesus. I had to walk away and go somewhere else. And I, I, th I thought about that as, as I was preparing uh, the message this week. I mean, I, I can go back to different times and, and places where God's done that. You know, it's interesting that we don't just sacrifice the beginning when it comes to follow Jesus. He, he requires us to go all in time and time again. That's why Paul in, in, in Romans chapter 12 wrote, I urge you by the mercies of God to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is, he, he puts it this way, your reasonable act of worship. It only makes sense to do this. And, and I just want to pause here. This isn't in my notes or anything. I, there's probably people that, that you've been following Jesus, but right now what you're struggling with isn't the fact to put your faith in him to save you from your sins, you're struggling with the fact that he's calling you to go somewhere you really don't want to go. And, and the reason you want to go there is not because, like, like for instance, the, when I was a kid, I was sure that God was going to call me to a mission field where I hated the food. Like, literally, that was my big, like, dude, I'll probably starve to death and get skinny. Like, I'm all for it now, but I'm just telling you, like, that was, that was, that was a big deal. And, and, and what I found is that 
God actually prepares our spirits, our hearts, our minds, uh, everything he, for, for his will. But the reality is when he calls us, what we, what we push back against is, is not being in control. And there are probably a lot of you that, that struggle with the same thing I struggle with, and that's being a control freak. You're a pragmatist. And honestly, if you're going if, if, if to examine your motives, man, your crutch is your money. And dude, this is not like an anti-money thing. Like, dude... Many, God does call people to places where they can be, man, he blesses them and uses them for ministry. And, and so this is not that. But there, there are times that's a crutch or sometimes it's family. Our crutch is family. We don't want to leave, leave family behind. Or honestly, for a lot of us, it's just, it's, honestly, it's just comfort. Our crutch is, is, is comfort. And as long as I'm comfortable, I'm, I'm cool following Jesus. But man, when he, when he turns our life upside down, we start getting nervous. Well, that's just the way it goes. There, there, here's what you got to know. Following Jesus, I, I gotta be honest with you. It's not this, I, I kind of put my toe in the water. Like I remember when my, my son, Trey, he'd never, he'd never uh, gone swimming in a lake before. And, and so he went to the edge of the dock, we were in, in California, and he just stuck his toe in the water. And he's like, oh. And I picked my son up. I hugged him and said, I love you, and threw him in the water. And I'm going to tell you what, guess what? He learned to swim. Now, he was wearing a life jacket, but still, you, the whole point is, you know, sometimes you just got to jump in. You know, maybe you've heard this story. There, there was a great acrobat by the name of Blondin that lived back in the 1850s and 60s and all that. And he had this big stunt that, that he did and, and meant for multiple, at multiple times, he would cross the Niagara Falls on a tightrope. And so the first time he cro- you know, went across back and forth and, and the people that had heard about it showed up and that was an incredible thing. Well, then he told them to tell others that to come back because he was gonna raise the stakes and do it again. Eventually, more than 25,000 people at a time would gather to watch him do this. And so he, you know, the first time he just went back and forth, then he took a bicycle. He didn't ride it across, but he pushed a bicycle across and, and back. The next time, he, he had them handcuff his hands, chain his feet, and he crossed with, and it had weights, and he crossed that way. Uh, the, the next time, he took a wheelbarrow and, and pushed it there and pushed it back. And I mean, every time he'd get back to the other side, the crowd would just roar. Well, when he got back after the wheelbarrow, he said, my next, uh, for, for my next trick, he said, I'm going to carry a man across. How many of you believe that I can carry a man on my back across? And everybody's like, yes! He said, can I have any volunteers? <laughs> and like, not a single person said a word. In fact, the only person that would trust him to do it was his manager because his manager knew who he was, knew what he was able to do. And his manager got on his back and he crossed, went, went across and came back with his manager on his back. His manager was all in. And I think there are a lot of times that instead of being the manager that jumps, that, that, that follows Jesus wherever he calls us, we would rather be the crowd who watches and applauds. Jesus isn't asking for your applause as much as he's asking for your obedience. To follow Jesus requires absolute commitment, but it also requires accepting a sentence of death. And, 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 Jesus, and, and Joseph, he knew, like if he's, he's Mary, if people find out about this, like literally it's, it's a sentence of death. She could be stoned to death. But, but beyond that, there were a few things he had to die to, and, and it's interesting because even as I, as I, as I look at what had, it, it says that Joseph was, he was considering all of these things. He's trying to figure out what to do. 
And trust me, when it says that Joseph was considering these things, he's talking about, uh, Matthew's writing about the doubts that we all face when it comes to following Jesus. First of all, the three, three questions we all have to wrestle with. Number one, what will people think? I had, a, I had a lady who attends here tell me not too long ago, she said she's been following Jesus for years and she said there's never been a day that I followed Jesus that my family has supported me. And she was not saying this as a victim. She's, she's an incredibly strong lady. But she said every time I go home for holidays, she said they make fun of me for how I believe. They intentionally do things in front of me to try to get a reaction out of me. She said, there's never been a day that I followed Jesus and had my family support that. Some of you know that. Some of you get that. But I think that there are other times when it, when it comes to following Jesus that, that we, have, we really do have to count the cost. I, am I more concerned? Am I more concerned with what, what people think of me? Because following Jesus doesn't always make sense. In fact, after you've begun, begun this journey with Christ, I'm just, again, like today you're like, oh, what a downer of a message. No, I'm just, I'm like, I just want, I want to keep it real. Like we, 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 we got to count the cost. The worst thing I could do is, is be this hype man and, and for you to hear what Jesus said, some people are going to hear in Matthew 6 where Jesus says, depart from me, I never knew you. Why in, why in the world would I play that game with you? That's like, I'm being unfaithful. No, that like, like we, we got to ask this question, what will... You know, what will people think? I remember when I came here to, to Grace, like years ago in 2004 when we moved out of here, man, people I love, like, like people that I respected from back east, they said, yeah, he's just, he's trying to get away from his other job. Give him two years, he'll be back. I mean, these are people probably who had well intention, but man, I'm gonna tell you what, there've been times across the years where, like, I, I think I, I have kind of a, like I see certain, the emails, kind of, like it is what it is. I get used to it, but, but dude, there are times it hurts. I'm just being real. Following Jesus, though, you just gotta, you gotta accept that. Second thing you gotta ask is, is uh, can I do this? Can I, can I follow, can I, can I follow Jesus? And I'm just gonna tell you right now, you cannot follow Jesus and you will not be able to, to, to follow where he calls you to go without his help. And, and in this day and age, man, we, we're so used to having everything at our fingertips. Like if, if, there's, if there's an emergency, even if we don't have money in the bank, you, you take out a credit card or whatever and, and you get that cover. It, like, we're, we're just, that's how we, we roll. But there are times when it comes to following Jesus that, that we don't have what it takes. We don't have it in the tank. And, and so then, man, we, we, we feel this sense of shame because we fail and all that. You were never intended, church, to, to walk in your own strength. That's why Paul wrote, man, Galatians 5, Galatians, Galatians 6, we walk by the Spirit. That's literally the only way we can do this. But, but we've, got, we've got to die to, to being in control. We've got to die to calling the shots. That's, that's, that's just part of it. it that's the, the third thing is, is, is this, this whole thing, where, is he, where, where am I going to end up? I read somewhere recently that peace is being okay with having God explain later the reason why. And I, I'll tell you, man, just following Jesus... I don't know where it's going to take you. Like the, the situation that you're in, some of you are in a season of waiting. I don't know what God's doing. And all I know is that, that we're all like Joseph at some point. We consider these things. We weigh the cost. Is it worth it? And the only thing I can say is that following Jesus not only includes absolute commitment, 
It includes accepting a death sentence where I'm not ultimately in control. Really, honestly, here's what it boils down to. It involves self-denial. That's why Jesus said, pick up your cross or deny yourself daily and pick up your cross and follow me. You guys ever heard the phrase dead man walking? You know where that comes from? It actually comes from ancient times. For instance, if, if you know the, the passion story of Jesus, when he was given the sentence of death, he put his own cross on his own shoulder and he took a journey to the cross. Remember that? Well, that, that was part of, of what the Romans would do to publicly humiliate those who were going to be crucified. They didn't just want them to agonize when it came to phys the physical pain. They wanted them to, to in, endure great humiliation. So literally the whole the whole road, it was, all, it was a path of humiliation. And, and, and when Jesus said what he said here, like he, he was actually saying, listen, to follow me is not like this easy thing. It's not like you're, you're, everything's gonna go perfectly according to plan. Following me involves denying yourself being a dead man walking because the reason they said dead man walking because when they saw you carrying your cross, you were as good as dead. To follow Jesus means to be as good as dead to, to myself. You see, this is all about denial. I, I, man, I, man w, w, over the years, man, I've just learned I don't always like God's plan in the moment. I don't like God's plan. I don't always like God's method. I don't always like God's timing. I just don't. Joseph, you look in verse 25, dude, he had to wait even longer than a year to know his wife, if you know what I'm saying. He had to, he had to wait. Following Jesus will always result in, in, in us being inconvenienced. And, and if, we, if we're following Jesus only for the sake of convenience, guys, we're gonna, we're gonna turn around because it's never convenient to follow it's never convenient to go. It's never convenient to surrender. It's never convenient to give. It's never convenient to follow Jesus. I, I, I don't know how to say this. I, I, I want to make sure that we understand this. Jesus will always turn your life upside down. But let me turn the, praise, the, the page just a little bit because I've focused on the cost of following Jesus. But when he turns our lives upside down, that's not always a bad thing. Like for instance, ladies, if I told you that this year is gonna be a pretty traumatic year for you and you're gonna put on about 30 pounds, you're not gonna be very happy with me. And yet last, this past week on social media, one of my friends was celebrating the fact that she was gonna put on 30 pounds that next year because she was celebrating the fact that she's pregnant. And here's the thing, she will endure the loss of her figure, the, the loss of, 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 you know, being able to eat foods that aren't pickles and ice cream and weird things at 2.30 in the morning. Like, she will endure that for the joy that's to come. Because what she knows is the reward is going to be worth it. And, you know, it's interesting because when, when the New Testament is written, New Testament is written to people who are waiting. In fact, when, 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 the, the, uh, when Jesus has come, Jesus has ascended, he said that he's coming back, they prob many of them are thinking it's gonna happen like right away. 
It's going to happen right away. And so what you've got to think is that, man, th- there's a reason why they're fired up after, right after he leaves and they're eating together and they're, they're, they're having a community together that we read in Acts chapter two and we love that beautiful picture of, of, of the church. But, but then it gets hard because he's not coming back right away. And he doesn't show up. And, and then Paul's writing, man, you guys got to keep watching. But, but what Paul and, and the other writers do and what even Jesus does is, is he, he, presents not, he, he presents not just the, the, the waiting period. He presents the reward. There, there's something coming. There's something greater. There's a reward. that Man, hold on. And honestly, this is why I think in the New Testament, and this is why we're doing the Advent uh, celebration, we're in this, this period of waiting. Like, we're, we're waiting. How long? Like we're asking the same question that people have been asking thousands of years. Lord, how long? When is Jesus coming back? We don't know, but there is this incredible reward. See, all of us have the capacity of sacrifice, but we won't sacrifice if we don't grasp what God has in store for us. There has to be this motivation. We've got to grasp the fact that what God has for us in eternity is greater than what we grasp in this temporary life. And you know what? I can preach this. We can read this in scripture, but we're either gonna believe it or we're not. And if we don't believe, the reality is, man, we're gonna struggle. But what I love is that even when when the angel showed up and said, hey, you're gonna have this kid, he gave this extra motivation he said, I want, you to name, I want you to name his name Jesus. He's gonna save his people from their sins. And then even that little note that Matthew adds, Matthew goes all the way back to this prophecy and, and I'm not gonna break everything down. You can read it, it's in Isaiah 7. There's this wicked King Ahaz from Judah that thinks that, uh, well, he hears that Assyria is going to attack Judah and God sends Isaiah to him because Ahaz knows based on who he is, he, dude, he has not worshiped God. He has not led the, people, the children of uh, Judah for God. There's no reason why God should show up. So God sends Isaiah to him and in essence says, I'm not gonna wipe you out for the sake of, for the sake of you know, your father David and all that sort of thing. Long story short, if, uh, you can read in Isaiah and other places. He, he says, I will give you a sign. And Ahaz was like, no, who am I to ask for? I'm not gonna ask for a sign, which is just crazy. And God's like, well, I'm gonna give you a sign anyway. And, and he gives him this this verse that the Matthew throws in there, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. They should call his name Emmanuel. And, and, and may, I don't know how big of a deal that would have been to Ahaz or anybody else because that word virgin, I don't know how they took it, but it, it's, it's either a virgin as we understand the word virgin, you know, a, a young lady who, is, who has never had uh, sex, or it could be just a young lady of marriageable age. But, but what we know, if you read the rest of the prophecy of Isaiah 7, there, there's a specific application in that time. But then what Matthew's saying, he's saying, no, this, this prophecy, we didn't fully understand this. I want you to understand that what, what, what was talked about then, the full, there's something that's, that the full fulfillment of that prophecy is happening here right now. The virgin has conceived. Deliverance has come. His name is Jesus. And somehow, guys, Joseph got this. He got that everything that, that, that his people had been preparing for. He's a good Jewish guy. Listen, even in the back country, he would have been going to the synagogue. He would have been studying from, from some, some rabbis. He would have heard Isaiah read. He would have heard this prophecy before. 
Matthew makes the point, he gets this, but it wasn't just the promises fulfilled, it was also the names given. The name Jesus, it's, it's literally the same, it's Yeshua, Joshua comes from that, Jesus comes from that. It's, it's, it's the same thing, and it literally, Jesus means the God who saves. But then there's the name Emmanuel, which was given, which means God with us. And I think there's great significance because what we see in these two names, first of all, we see Jesus, this is, this is what he does. He is the God who saves. But then in Emmanuel, we see this. It shows us who he is. He is Emmanuel, the God who is with us. And, and, and if he's Emmanuel then, he's Emmanuel today. What that means is for every person that is here, this this thing that we talk about, it's called the incarnation, and maybe you, you know about it, maybe you don't. This is why I think it's one of the most foundational doctrines of Scripture. It's that Jesus was 100% man, 100% God. It's so very important. He had, it had to happen. He had to be born of a human Mary so that he could be man. But since he was virgin born, this came from God. He was also fully God. He was born as a man because the only way that we could have a true representative on a cross was for him to be a man. He had to live a life that we were supposed to live. He had to face everything that we, we face and to pass every test that we've been given yet without sin. He had to die the death that we were condemned to die. He took our place as our representative. Jesus can only do that if he's fully man. In fact, if you look, everything Joseph faced, this whole thing of absolute commitment, accepting a sentence of death, self-denial, Jesus did the same thing. Man, when you look at him in the garden, he said, not my will, but yours be done. He went all in. When he's on trial, he accepted the sentence of death. On the cross, he denied himself. Literally, he could have come off the cross, and he didn't. But he had to not just be man, he had to be God, first of all. The only one able to save is God. If you look through the Old Testament, it's the story of the Old Testament from Genesis all the way to Malachi. It's pointing to a Messiah. Messiah is coming, a God who can deliver. All the way from Genesis chapter three, when we see the fall to the, to the very end, it is God alone who saves. Salvation belongs to the Lord and he does not delegate his saving to anyone else. It has to be God. But then, man, the thing that stands out to me, the whole point of God's creation of us was to have a relationship with us. And listen, man, for those of you that are, that are fearful of where God is calling you, you're fearful, you're, you're counting the cost, is it worth it? Listen to me. He is not only the one who saves, he is also the one who is with you. He is with you. This has been the story from the very beginning. You go back to Adam and Eve. What, 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 what do we read in the Garden of Eden? God walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day, and Adam and Eve said, God walks with us. When God led the, the, the children of Israel out of slavery, what, what, he, he manifested himself a pillar of cloud by, by day, a pillar of fire by night. What did the Israelites say in Exodus 14, 19? They said, the Lord is before and behind us. When, when God had them build a tabernacle and, and, and the glory of the Lord filled and, and it came to dwell, they said, God is in the midst of us. When Jesus is born and the angel says, call him Emmanuel, God is with us. What I love is when Jesus left, 
When Jesus left, one of his last promises is that he was going to be with us. In fact, can, you know, it's really interesting. We see that word behold, which means pay attention, look up. I, I want you to lean in. Behold, the first behold is behold, the virgin shall conceive. Matthew begins with behold, and he literally ends with a behold. The first behold is the virgin shall conceive, and it's going to be Emmanuel, God with us. And the very last word in, in, in Matthew's gospel, it is not an accident at all. It's Jesus saying, behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Matthew is making a point. Jesus will turn your world upside down. He will mess us up, but it will, it will be in the best way possible. Is there going to be the pain of sacrifice? Absolutely. If it was easy to follow Jesus, we'd all do it. It wouldn't even be a problem. But, he will, but, but even with the pain of, of, of sacrifice, he'll bring the joy and peace of surrender and trust. But the only thing that will motivate us, the only thing that will, will get us to the place of going all in is seeing that the joy of what he offers us, the treasure that he offers is worth more than the pain of sacrifice. And so I would say this, man, listen, this has been the burden this week, church. Listen, one, one of the craziest things would be for you to waste your time half-heartedly following Jesus because it's a waste of your time. Do not go in partway on Jesus. Guys, go all in. Go all in. Listen, man, you don't need to deepen your resolve, deepen your joy in the fact that Jesus is the God who saves, that Jesus is the God who is with us. Oh, man. We celebrated last night when Trey popped the question. Now, we were FaceTiming. He was about 200 yards away. We saw two dots, and we are pretty sure it was them, but, you know. <laughs> we celebrated because we're excited about the wedding that's going to take place. I already told Lori, I'm already figuring out. You got to keep your mouth shut. It's up to them. Like, I'm, I'm figuring it out. But you know what? Here's the deal. Regardless of, of what happens, the commitment, is, the commitment is there, and I can't wait to celebrate what happens. And I was, I was just, even last night, going over my, my notes again, I th and this, this was after Trey had popped the question. I was thinking, man, you know, what if, what if, what if Joseph, Joseph hadn't gone all in? What if, what if when God, what he told him, he knew he was going to turn his life upside down. What if he had said, man, I can't do this. What if he went ahead and, and broke the engagement? What if he'd married a different girl, had the storybook wedding? What if, what if he'd set up and he had a really good carpentry business and all that? What, what if he'd done that? Because here's the deal. We don't know a lot about Joseph. Like most of it, it's right here. Like when Jesus, when, when Jesus is conducting his ministry, nowhere is Joseph mentioned. We can only assume that he died at some point as Jesus has grown up. What if? He, I, I, we don't know the answer to those questions. All I know is the one thing I know for sure is he would have missed Jesus. And, and I thought, man, what, what, what about us? What if we count the cost and we're scared of what it's gonna cost? We're scared of, of having our life turned upside down. We're, we're, we're scared of what people are gonna say. We're scared if we can do this. We're scared of where it's gonna take us. What if, if we don't follow? Well, I'm not here to play scare tax. I'll just say that, that you just, you're just gonna miss out on Jesus. One of the greatest tragedies this time of year would be to miss out on who showed up 
to change your life. He didn't show up to just be a child in a manger that we sing songs about at Christmas time. He showed up to be Jesus, God who saves his people from their sins, and for those he saves to know that he is God, Emmanuel, God with us. And so here's what I want us to do. I want you to stand to your feet, and I'm going to do something that uh, maybe for some of you is a little bit different, but I've, I've talked about, you know, this is what it looks like to follow Jesus. This morning, if you've never followed, if you've never decided to take the step of following Jesus, I want to give you the opportunity to do that, first of all. But I would also say for, for a person that is here this morning that is wrestling with what that means. Maybe you've been following Jesus for a couple of years, five years, 20 years, but, but God is beginning to stir you. The, the, the troubling of the waters, you don't know where he's taking you. You just know he's calling you, but you're, you're counting the cost this morning. What if instead of missing out, we would go all in? And so I'm going to pray, but here's what I'm going to do. Like, as I pray, we're not going to do the whole thing, hey, every head bowed, every eye closed, uh, and you raise your hand. No, I just literally have talked about how hard it is to follow Jesus. That's kind of a wimpy way out, you know what I'm saying? Like, if, if, if God's speaking to you, man, I want, I want to pray with you. We've got a team that, that, that wants to pray with you. I want you to walk out from where you are as I pray, and I want you to stand here in the front. If nobody shows up, like there are people like, oh man, you know, that's got to be terrible when nobody, I don't, uh, I don't say people, like if it's, it's God. But if God's talking to you, don't miss out on what Jesus is doing. He wants to change you. Jesus will save. Jesus will be with you. And so Father, as we close our service today, I'm thankful that you are a God who shows up. And God, I'm praying that even now that your Holy Spirit would do what I cannot do. I cannot talk people into relationship with Jesus. That's one of the worst things that I could do. All I can do is present what your word says, and God, we're going to depend on and trust your word. God, you know who is here. You know where they're at. Father, if there's somebody that's never followed Jesus, I pray that they would take that step. And Lord, that this morning, that it's not going to be the step that saves them. It's going to be their faith. It's the resolve of just stepping out and saying, God, I believe. I'm believing that you did come to be Jesus God who saves. But Father, if there's somebody that's wrestling with something, you're, you're calling them to something and they don't know what it's gonna look like and they're wrestling with that whole thing of letting go. God, I am praying that your Holy Spirit would do your work of conviction. Again, I don't wanna guilt anybody into this. This has to be your work. Father, if they would take that step and God, in that step, it's, it's just this confidence of saying, Jesus, I know you've saved me and you've been with me up to this point and even though I can't see where you're taking me, I believe that you're Emmanuel. You're the one that's gonna be with me. And so God, for what you're going to do and for how you're going to show up. I want to thank you for this, and I pray this in the strong name of Jesus. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Thank you so much for being here. You are dismissed.